0: Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to be looking at what is real purity, and this is part one of two episodes where I'd really like to go deep into the issue of true godly purity versus some of the counterfeit versions that we see around us in the Christian world today. Before I dive into this topic, I want to let you know that we have an amazing discipleship program called Ellerslie Discipleship Training in Colorado happening this fall. It starts in September, and there's a one-week program and a five-week program, and there's longer programs that you can register for. This is really just a set-apart season to come away with Jesus and become grounded in truth and in the Word of God. And this fall only, we're going to be presenting a sexual purity summit throughout our fall discipleship training semester. So if this is a topic that you are concerned about or you have a burden for, this fall would be a wonderful time for you to come join us in Colorado. If you're interested, visit ellerslie.com to learn more. That's E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E. That is not Eric and Leslie Ludi's name together, by the way. It's Ellerslie. There's a whole story behind that name, but ellerslie.com to find out more. You can also visit setapartgirl.com and click the Ellerslie link. We'd love to to see you this fall and I'd love to meet you in person. So let's dive into the topic, what is real purity? There are some rumblings around the Christian world today that kind of insinuate purity messages are a joke, they're ridiculous, they're oppressive, they're legalistic, they don't work. I've heard for a number of years now people scorning abstinence commitments and purity rings and promise rings saying they only lead to failure, they only lead to disillusionment. Now having been really on the front lines of this topic for about 25 years, I do understand where some of these ideas are stemming from. I knew a girl who I'll call Megan for the sake of this story, even though that wasn't her real name. And Megan had been given a promise ring from her parents when she was about 13 years old. And she remembered that night how special it was and being so excited to wait faithfully for her future husband and she remembered when she signed her abstinence commitment in her high school youth group she remembered going through bible studies on purity with her church and talking to her friends about why she planned on remaining pure until her wedding day that's what she looked back and remembered from her childhood but as she got older and into her young adult years none of those things actually kept her from moral failure In college, she started spending time with girls who really didn't value the whole idea of purity. They were constantly talking about relationships they were in. They were constantly trying to match Megan up with guys. She started watching a lot of movies that portrayed immorality as romantic and normal. And Gradually, her priorities shifted. Though she had grown up with the purity messages, she began to feel like those commitments were unnecessary and overrated. She felt like everyone she knew who didn't value purity seemed to be perfectly happy, and every romantic movie that she saw made impurity look right and healthy. Eventually, she started dating a guy with very different standards than what she'd always grown up with, and pretty soon she completely tossed aside her purity commitment and decided she didn't need to live with those restrictions on her life. About a year later, she had a broken heart. She had walked through incredible pain and deep regret because of that season where she threw her purity commitment out the window her response was to look all the way back at when she was 13 years old and her parents started to teach her about purity and when they gave her the promise ring and when she signed the abstinence commitment as the problem she began to look at her purity commitments and the purity messages as the cause of the guilt and the shame that she was feeling. So rather than seeing the fact that it was her own selfish and sinful choices that had led to the regret and the pain she was feeling, she blamed the fact that she had been taught about purity and given a promise ring, and she said that those things had only set her up for failure and unrealistic expectations countless Christian young people who were raised to value purity are now carelessly tossing those standards out the window the moment that cultural influences become strong enough to sway them. And as a result, many Christians have become cynical toward the whole idea of purity commitments and promise rings, saying that it only sets up young people for failure, regret, and disillusionment, not to mention disappointment in marriage. There's a growing notion that purity and promise rings set you up for failure or bondage to legalism. But honestly, I believe the issue runs far deeper than that. Promise rings and abstinence commitments and purity messages are not the problem. Those things are not what leads to failure and disillusionment or bondage to legalistic rules. The problem lies with the core motive behind the commitments that are being made. Like Megan, too many Christians grow up making a commitment to a concept or an idea rather than to a person, Jesus Christ. When a purity commitment is just a good idea or a right-sounding moral concept, we can so easily be talked out of it or tempted out of it. It's only a matter of time before the culture gets to us and we completely fall on our face and fail and throw that purity commitment out the window. That kind of purity commitment isn't actually real or lasting because it isn't based in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've ever wondered what makes real purity actually work and last in a Christian's life, I like to explore one very crucial but often overlooked principle from the Word of God. And that is what I referenced earlier, commit to a person and not just a concept. Growing up in youth group, whenever Christian leaders presented to me the idea of waiting for my future spouse, they always explained that I would gain many personal benefits if I did. All I had to do was forgo the temptations of youth and I could expect a more fulfilling marriage and a healthier physical and mental state, free of unwanted diseases and untimely pregnancy. I was told that I should respect myself by living according to God's standards. I remember my youth leaders saying things like, why would you want to open your Christmas presents early? Or, why eat a cheap hamburger now when you could wait and have a gourmet steak dinner later? Those arguments actually didn't work very well on me because I liked presents, even if they weren't on Christmas morning, and I actually liked hamburgers a lot more than steak any day of the week. And so like countless other Christian singles, I inwardly reasoned, I don't care if I have a less fulfilling marriage or some other negative consequence, living for the moment is more important than what might happen in the distant future. Many of us have learned the hard way that no amount of scare tactics where we're hearing about STDs or unwanted pregnancies or selfish motivations where we're hearing that our lives will turn out better if we wait can really stand up to the power of temptation. So just what motive is strong enough to stand up to the temptation that each of us will face in this area? Simply put, it's overwhelming love and devotion to Jesus Christ, a givenness to him, a desire to honor him no matter what the cost, a heart attitude that says, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. A true purity commitment can only flow out of a relationship, not a rule. Our motive for purity must be passion for our king's glory, not a selfish attitude that says, What's in it for me? When we're living in true purity, we no longer ask questions like, What am I going to get out of this deal? or How far is too far? And we've talked about that in other episodes. We should be asking the question, How far can I possibly go? To love, honor, and obey the one who gave everything for me. And ironically, when Jesus is in his rightful place in our hearts and minds, we don't have to force ourselves to ask that right question. It's just the natural outflow of a heart that is captivated by Jesus Christ. The reality is that even if we never received any personal benefit from living according to God's standards, his commands are still worth obeying. And that is because he is worthy. It's not because of what we may get out of it or how it might benefit our life. It's because he is worthy. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price, and that price was his precious blood. I've referenced before one of my favorite classic sermons called Ten Shekels in a Shirt by Paris Reedhead, and there's a line in that sermon that constantly I'm going back to and remembering as a core foundational attitude of true Christianity. And it's an attitude that says, Lord, I don't care what's in it for me. I'm going to love and honor and obey you, even if I were to go to hell at the end of the road, simply because you are worthy to be loved and honored and obeyed, and I'm not trying to make a deal with you. That is so convicting and so powerful because we often get into christianity thinking about how it's going to benefit us we often get into a purity commitment thinking about how it's going to benefit us but here's a hard attitude that says it doesn't even matter what happens to me you are so worthy lord that i will make any step of obedience you ask me to make it is so heartbreaking when we try to obey god's commands out of selfish motives When we're committed to purity because it might benefit our life someday, or because it just seems like a good rule to follow, or because our parents and leaders told us it was the right thing to do, it's very easy to be influenced away from it, just like Megan was in that story that I told earlier. But when we choose to obey God's commands and standards simply because we love him more than life itself, that's a commitment that won't easily be shaken. And that's because we will be far less concerned with our own happiness and well-being than with dishonoring the one who is worthy of all. Whether or not we ever receive any advantages from following God's pattern is not really the issue. We are not our own. We've been bought with the price. We live to honor the one who gave everything for us. We're not trying to make a bargain with him. And that is what real purity is all about. In my own life, my commitment to purity became rock solid once Jesus Christ became my everything." I was no longer wondering what I might get out of the deal or grumbling inwardly about missing out on short-term excitement. I longed to please him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. No one had to convince me that I should live in purity and obey my abstinence commitment. I embraced those standards wholeheartedly because of my love for him. They didn't have to be constantly enforced by parents and church leaders because I owned those commitments out of love for Jesus Christ. If you are in your single years and you've been wondering whether living in purity is really worth it, consider these words from Paul. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We've been talking about that concept of not being our own and being bought at a price, and it's actually in the context of walking in sexual purity. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember that you belong to him and then live according to that amazing fact. Lasting purity really is that simple. When Eric and I used to travel and speak a lot on the topic of purity and relationships, one of the things we really emphasized was the difference between rules and relationships. It's so easy to take a godly biblical principle like purity and try to add our own human thoughts and ideas to it and to make it into a formula or a list of rules instead of a principle to live out from the motive of loving Jesus Christ. You will see, if you look around Christianity, those who have tried to make it into a formula, and it's all based on external rules. It has to be constantly enforced from the outside, and it's usually devoid of all life and beauty and romance, and that's because it's rules-based rather than relationship-based. When it's based in relationship with Jesus Christ, there is beauty, there is life, there is joy, and it's so much more romantic than when you just are trying to follow a list of rules. When Eric and I first started speaking on pre-marriage relationships and pure we were very reluctant to want to even do that in the first place because we had seen the way so many Christians had made that issue of purity into a legalistic oppressive formula and we really wanted nothing to do with it but when we started to look at the core principles that God had taught us through our own relationship and we refused to make it into a formula that's when it became a beautiful and exciting message that we could share with our generation Remember, when our decisions are based in relationship with Jesus Christ and not rules, there are no regrets. We don't need to apologize for living in obedience to Jesus Christ and being pure and set apart out of love for him. So here are some final thoughts that I'd like to share with you about what real purity is. Remember, you don't need to attend purity pep rallies, sign an abstinence pledge card, or wear a promise ring in order to keep a commitment to remain pure and faithful to your future spouse. Those things should only be outward reminders of an inward reality. And that reality is that you belong to Jesus Christ and that you've chosen to honor him in this area of your life, not because of how it might benefit you, not because of a legalistic rule, not because your parents told you to, but because he is worthy. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about building a Christ-centered life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.